past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello, and welcome to The Career Confidant, and we're excited to have you here today. And you are in for a treat because we have Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, who is a former TEDx speaker, three-time Amazon bestseller, and just dynamic woman who helps mid-life clients stop hiding in the shadows and step into the meaningful work they're meant to do in the world. We're so excited to have you here, Carol. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yes. So let's kick off because we're going to be talking about midlife professionals today. How do you define midlife professional and where do you see them typically in their career when you're working with them? Yeah, so for me, midlife professionals has two connotations, you know, because people often exchange mid, mid-career or midlife. And for me, it's a combination of both. So there are people who are usually at the midpoint in their careers. They've either been in the workforce or in their career for about, you know, 15 years or so. And they're also in the middle of their life. So they're roughly between 45 and 60 years old. So they're not only dealing with having been in their careers and in the workforce for a particular amount of time and seeing a lot of changes and, and things take place, but they're also going through this, this kind of pivotal shift in their, in their life as they transition from, you know, being a, a young, new career person into, you know, a different phase and stage of their life. Okay. And so they are kind of at that pivot point. They've been in something for a while. I typically find that people in that age group are looking to make some kind of a transition. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've been in their career long enough where they're they're perceived as an expert. So people see them, they've accumulated a lot of experience, probably education, certifications, and, and things of the nature. But yeah, because Things shift for them in midlife. Either, you know, they, they're, they're, uh, the influx of children in their lives have changed things. Um, maybe they're dealing with aging parents. Maybe they're moved, they've moved a few times. They've dealt, with, they've dealt with so many different things in their life that it's making them also revisit what they're doing with their life in terms of their career. And so oftentimes what I find is that they are coming to a question about what I should do with myself. And particularly, as we found in the pandemic and with COVID, I think for a lot of people, it kind of created this existential crisis of who am I and what do I really do and what do I really want to be doing? And so I've seen more and more and more of, you know, people coming, asking that question, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up, right? I still have so many more years left. And is this really what I want to see myself doing? Do I really they want to stay in the same place, in the same industry, doing this same amount of work, or is it time for me to really explore what's next and what's different? Yeah, I saved it. I haven't read it yet. There was a Harvard Business Review article on how leaders could help their employees through this existential crisis. Uh, it's just an mm-hmm. opportunity right now for a lot of people. So I'm. it's interesting that you brought that up. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and so, and and I don't know, it's interesting, I think some leaders are very well equipped to support that, and some are in their own midlife crisis, and so are not quite sure how to be as supportive in the right way to be able to help their people. Right, which is, of course, why companies bring in external coaches, and why those people that we know who are independent coaches are are coaching those folks because sometimes it's just not appropriate for the organization and then sometimes it's just not feasible. So, okay, we've kind of defined what's going on here at Midlife. Um, What is this about stuck? What are some of the ways that people get stuck at this point in their career? Yeah, I find that there's usually three ways that I most commonly see uh, in terms of professionals being stuck here. And the first one is that they just really lost their mojo. <laughs> and by that, I mean they just lost touch with their why, meaning what excited them about their work, what excited them about what they did. And often there is a lack of contribution or lack of meaning into what they're doing in their career, what their career once provided to them. So where it may have been exciting at one point when they got started or their idea of what their career would be, they just kind of lost it along the way. It just is not making sense the way it once did. There have been so many changes maybe in their organization or in the industry itself where it's just not really moving in the direction that they really want to see it in. The other thing I see is that they've either lost control or really never have control over their career. And I I also see this a lot. I often hear midlife professionals say that um, they're doing what they're doing because their parents suggested it or they're following in a parent's footstep or a mentor suggested this to them or they got some type of advice from some external factor or external force that really resulted in them losing control of their own agency to be able to choose what it is that they want to do. And as a result, they're at a place where they're not quite sure what to do next because they never really made those foundational decisions around what it is that they're doing. They've just followed a preset path that they thought they should follow. And now that they're stuck, they're not quite sure which way to go. And the final thing that I often see where people get stuck is that they're just out of alignment, meaning, um, and it's similar to them losing their, their mojo, but it's a little deeper in that, in that they're not doing work where they feel uh, is aligned with their values, or the organization is shifted in such a way that no longer aligns with their values. It's They're not really leaning into their genius and working at their best strengths and top skills or talents or their gifts. And there aren't being realized, those things aren't being realized in the work that they're doing. And as a result, they're feeling stressed and often feeling unsure about uh, themselves in their work. They start challenging and questioning their confidence and their abilities and their skills, and it really attacks their self-esteem. And Ultimately, it makes them feel really trapped and stuck because if they don't feel confident in themselves, if they don't feel really strongly connected to what they're doing or feel like they're making a contribution, it makes it really hard for them to think, well, what can I possibly do next, right? So it leads to them feeling lost. It feels they start thinking about, well, I should have made some different choices before. So they have these kind of regret conversations, which really further them into feeling trapped and stuck into where they are. So usually those are the three underpinning things that I see that really get midlife professionals just stuck and trapped where they, where they are and really unsure about how to move out of it and how to pivot into something that's much more meaningful and, and, and powerful for them. Yeah, and sometimes when they start to get those feelings, it's 
well, I've already done this for this amount of time and I'm going to have to start over all of those defeating thoughts that creep in that I know we hear people talk about um, probably in any of these. What might people be thinking or kind of saying to themselves with any of these reasons that they're stuck? Yeah, that you really hit the nail on the head. They're saying, well... I've already gone down this path, I might as well stay, right? Or it's too late for me to make a pivot. Or if they particularly are parents, they think, well, I've had my time, I need to give it to my kids or devote it to helping them have a better choice and, and better life. Um, that uh, The golden handcuffs is what I hear quite a bit as well. They're making a great salary. They have a great reputation and holding uh, a status, and they don't want to walk away from that. And so they're struggling with, you know, what's going to happen to me if I don't do this particular work? If I Am I not going to make the income that's built a lifestyle that I have? Um, and how can I potentially start over? And definitely a fear of going from, as I said, they've been in their career long enough where they've established maybe an expert level status. And now the thought of going back to being a novice and starting all over again is something that's very unappealing. So a lot of negative narratives and self-talk that is often contributing to the stuck factor. And so fundamentally what I see, and and you probably have seen in a lot of the things that I've said in terms of the losing of the mojo, not having really control, letting other external factors or other predetermined ideas of what they should do, or really being out of alignment with self and values, it really all stems from foundationally not having a connection with self. It's a mindset issue and and it's a false narrative or limiting belief issue that fundamentally fuels this feeling stuck and feeling trapped and not understanding or seeing if there's anywhere else to go. Yeah, it's it's so hard. And I see it, I'm sure, you know, we all see it online all the time. Am I too old to do X? Am I too old to go back to school? Am I too old to change careers? Am I too old? Um, And I see people kind of get stuck in that either or mentality. You either have to stay here and hate it or have this huge change that's going to ruin my life. Uh, Those negative thinking patterns as you were talking about. Exactly. And I always tell people to embrace the the and, right? To don't get rid of this either or thing, but to embrace and that it's possible to be in a position and go back to school, right? Whether you decide to go back to school or not, and that takes you two, three, or five years, you're still going to be two, three, or five years older just without the degree as opposed to with the degree or with the certification or without the certification. So time is going to keep ticking. What you choose to do with that is really up to you. And this is a perfect opportunity because you have this wealth of wisdom and experience and knowledge. You know what you like. You know what you probably are more familiar with what you don't like than what you do like. But even starting from that positioning, it can give you some really great insight to make some really good choices that you can begin to leverage to move forward. Yeah, and we're going to talk about this here in just a few minutes after our break about the steps to get unstuck. But it sounds like they're kind of leading in there of knowing what it is that isn't working, what it is that you might be looking for, and and because you can't really know where you're going unless you know what you're what you're wanting more of, and, and maybe a little bit of what you're wanting to get away from. We're going to take a short break, exactly. and when we yeah, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll go through the three step process that Carol has to get unstuck. We'll be right back here on The Career Confidant. 
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at Leadership Forum INC. You hear about it all the time. Compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Ritas is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We are happy you're here to join us today. We have a guest Dr. Carol Parker Walsh, and we are talking about how to get unstuck in your career. So, Carol, we were just talking about before break that people get stuck because they have lost touch with kind of the excitement and meaning, or maybe they feel like they never really had control over their career direction or chose where they're going, or they're kind of feeling out of alignment, maybe with their values or their dreams. Something just isn't the, the way that they want it to be or the way that they feel like it should be. So when people are feeling that way, you've got a three-step process that you help people go through to get unstuck. What are those three steps? Yeah, well, the three steps are what I call an uncovering, an understanding, and an unleashing. And let me just tell you a little bit more. The first step of uncovering, and we touched on this a little bit, and for me, it's the process of pulling away from those narratives where we buried ourselves in, those narratives that keeps us from trusting our gut, from rediscovering our values and what's important for us and reconnecting that back to what we do in the world to really get clear on who we are and how who we are informs what it is that we do. So the the first process is really, you know, I, I often call it an an archaeological excavation of just digging deep into the things that we have lost touch with because we've been pursuing external 
rewards like the career, the the promotion, the raise, the money, the title, the status. We've been so focused on external attributes of what a career brings that we've totally lost touch with how it really connects with who we are. And so we've we've lost our identity in lieu of our career identity. Right. We, we, when people ask who you are, the first thing, you know, people say is what they do, their title. I'm an accountant. I'm a lawyer. I'm a doctor. But we've lost touch with really who we are. So our career identity has totally taken over our real identity in terms of who we are. And we've, we, we're so wrapped into that that we have to do this process of really kind of unraveling from that and uncovering who we really are. And then the next process of understanding is really where we reclaim our confidence and the significance in terms of who we are. And we begin to craft a new narrative, a narrative that's built on authenticity in terms of who we are so that we can position our knowledge and expertise in the world in a way that's designed by us. And where we're in full control of that narrative, and that allows us to be seen authentically, clearly, and powerfully. So once we uncover and dig out all of the other stuff that's holding us back, those limiting beliefs and all those thoughts that we talked about before, then we can move into this place of really starting anew and re reaffirm or reclaim our confidence, knowing our gifts and our skills and our talents, but also designing it in such a way that allows us to position our true selves into what it is that we want to do in the world. And, and a lot of that is around, you know, we've heard conversations around branding and things of that nature. And by positioning ourselves authentically, it's really by putting ourselves out there in a way that people see us for who we are, see what we have to offer, and, and know that we're the ones that they want to connect with and work with. And then finally, there's what I call unleashing, right? And this is the process where you step fully into the work that's not just aligned to who you are, but the lifestyle that you desire, right, for yourself, for your family. It's what I call career life alignment, where what you do isn't defining you, but it's a piece of what you do and who you are, right? And so it allows for you to have what I call a liberated living, which for me embodies three Fs, which are freedom, financial reward, and fulfillment, in, in terms of what it is that you do. And when you can find those things, when you can have this freedom, when you can have really being fulfilled doing the meaningful work that you're designed to do in the world and to be financially rewarded for it, that is the power of really having the alignment, having a liberated living, and it moves you from feeling trapped and stuck in some other person's idea or other person's narrative or negative narrative that you built for yourself. And then stepping into something much more powerful that's designed by you, that's crafted by you, that authentically represents you and gives you exactly what it is that we all really want, which is to have this liberated living, an opportunity to do work that's meaningful for us and that adds meaning and beauty to our lives. Oh, I love that. So we went through the uncovering, understanding, and unleashing so that people can figure out where they want to go. So when you're talking about uncovering um, and, you know, kind of uncovering those narratives, those things that keep us down, and then also you're mm-hmm. talking about reconnecting to those things that we really enjoy, tell me a little bit about how you, what one step someone could take to maybe reconnect with those things that they do feel passionate about or that are going to motivate them? 
Yeah, I tell you, one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself, and, and I know this may sound very simple, but it's a question that I find people do not ask themselves, which is, what do I love to do? And I know that's simple, but people are so motivated by what can I do? What can I get paid to do? What can I get hired to do? What will people, you know, pay me for or those type of things that what we don't do is that we, we design a paycheck, but we don't really design our purpose, right? We lean too far into one and not the other. The other thing you could do is just sit down and write down, you know, there's a value exercise that I love to do where you just really touch base with the things that are important to you, the things that really matter to you. Many of us think we're motivated by money, but we're really not. We need it, but it's not necessarily the motivator. And so getting back in touch with those drivers that are related to our values is really a powerful thing as well. And the other thing I would say, I know you just asked for one, but I'm going to give three. The other thing I would say is what we said before is to list what you don't want to do. Because when you're stuck and unhappy, we're more in touch with what we don't like than we are with what we do. And by sometimes just going through what do I not want to have in my life and career, right, in terms of how I work, where I work, what I'm doing, what industry I'm in, the environment that I'm around, the people that I'm working with, the the hours that I'm doing it, the skills that I'm using or not using, right? Sometimes just going through that and writing, like, I I don't want to commute, right? I don't want to... Uh, work these many hours. I want to don't want to work in an office. I don't want to uh, work in a big corporation, right? You know, sometimes that leads to, well, if you don't want to do that, then it opens you up to the possibilities of what else is possible for you to do. And so those are three things I would say to just really ask yourself, what do you love? And a lot of times that can be found in going back in your past and taking a peek at the things that you did without even thinking about them. And then to secondly, really get in touch with those drivers, those motivations, those values that you have. And then third, by really asking yourself, what don't I want? Yeah, good, good. Yeah, because we do have more clarity around that. And when you get those down, one, then you can stop mulling over them and you can move on to, okay, what do you do on now? And sometimes, as you're <laughs> exactly. saying, the opposites give us some clues in, into those things that we do want. Exactly. Yeah. And I loved the your second one under understanding. You said reclaim your confidence. And this is one thing that I think we struggle with a little bit as career services providers and our clients struggle with. Just as you were saying, you know, we don't think about what we love to do because one of the you know negative talks is that that's unrealistic. And when you talk about confidence, mm-hmm. confidence isn't empty hope, right? Confidence is, hey, I've got a plan. I've got the skills, I can connect the dots. You can't really have confidence until you have a plan and a strategy because then you can be confident in that. And so, uh, you know, I would guess that in that understanding phase, there is, yes, you're confident in who you are and what you bring to everything you do, but you're also confident because you can build a plan and put the pieces together and see how it's going to fit and how it's going to work, even if it might not be that ideal picture yet, you can see some of the steps in that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And because you're the one putting the plan into place, it's not something that's prescribed for you. You're not looking for somebody else to do it. People, there, there are a lot of people's mentors, sponsors, and things of that nature that can give you wonderful advice, but it's always through their lens of what's possible for you. But part of that confidence is really owning what your genius, 
and what you bring to the table and seeing that as relevant and seeing that as valuable and crafting a plan and a strategy for implementing that, for putting that out there in the world. That builds a tremendous amount of confidence because then you're in the driver's seat of that. You see the power and significance of what you bring to the table and it makes that plan more successful because it's really built around you and built around what you know you can offer and what it is that you can bring to the world. And having a strategic plan is absolutely something that will bolster your confidence and and show the significance of what it is that you bring to the world. And that is so important to have. And it's so important for people to connect to that and to see that as well. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about what gets in the way from people implementing these three steps. Yeah, fundamentally it's fear, right? And we talked a little bit about there. It's the fear of breaking free from the status quo, right? There's the... There is nothing more comforting to the brain and the mind than the the familiar. And so to break away from the familiar is there's a fear because it's an unknown thing about what will happen if I move away from the thing that I know so well or I've intimately connected with or I can do without even thinking about it. It's the fear of losing money, status, and respect, and even the lifestyle that the money has brought to bear. But there's also shame, right? Why didn't I figure this out before? Why am I at midlife and I'm just realizing that I want to do something different or, or I want to take a new path? So sometimes there's some shame attached to that. There's guilt. It, you know, is it selfish of me to go after what I want at this stage in my life, right? Should I, is it selfish? Is it self-focused? Should I, you know, I had my turn, so should I move on? So there's a lot of guilt. I see this a lot with women that I work with. There's a lot of guilt and it feels selfish to lean into what it is that they want to do now in their life. There's that loss of identity, right? Who I am if I'm not doing this. Right? I don't know, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I used to be a labor and employment attorney for 10 years, and to this day, I will hear people, and I haven't practiced in almost 20 years, even though I practiced 410, but people will still want to identify me as an attorney, and like, why aren't I practicing? And I'm like, that's a thing to do, that's not who I am. And so, a lot of people get wrapped up into that, and it's hard to let go of those titles that the world perceives as val- valuable and valid. There's also some ambivalence about when, when you settle for good enough, when you've just, you know, kind of just said, well, this is the best I can do, and it's not so bad the way it is, so I'll just make good. You know, this ambivalence could be another reason that really prevents us from moving forward. So, you know, we don't think it could be any better, and, you know, we don't want it to be any worse, so we just kind of settle for it. And and also that's where, you know, well, it's just too late for me, or I'm too old, you know, as you mentioned before. And there's also people-pleasing. That's, that's a big one. Like, what will people say? <laughs> right? How will I be perceived? You know, what will people think of me if I were to go along this path? I, I personally believe that fear underlines all of this. And it's also the uncomfortability about moving into a space that feels uncomfortable and unknown. But there's a lot of these. They play out, <laughs> excuse me, through other things. Like I said, shame, guilt, ambivalence, and, and the like. Yes, yes. Well, and this does require people to do some mindset work. And you call yourself the transformational career strategist. Tell me what that means and then how people can get in touch with you. Where should they connect with you? Yeah. Well, for me, as you probably have heard, that a career isn't just a job. It's an aspect of your life. It's the way that you live your purpose, passion, and gifts. 
and it should it shouldn't be all consuming, but it shouldn't also bring you misery or pain. And so, as someone who's been trained in human and identity development, as well as applied social development psychology, I help my clients to unplug from this idea of who and what they think they should be to unveil and embrace who they truly are and how that connects with the work that they're meant to do in the world. So for me, it's, it's a transformational process of stepping out of this idea of self and work and career and stepping into something that's truly more connected and aligned with who they are. And so for me, that's a transformational process. We too often in, this, in our world get stuck around transactional process where it's about, you know, resumes or, or just the things that I can do to move my career without reflecting on this inner piece, this inner game, that is a transformational process that comes along with the, trans- the outer transactional piece as well. So it's a two-tier kind of system that both play against and play together with, with each other. And so that's why I call myself, and people have called me, a transformational um, career strategist or, or coach or somebody who really kind of impacts and changes lives. And the best way people f- to reach me is to go right to my website. Um, I'm also, it's which is carolparkerwalsh.com. Um, or if you're on LinkedIn, I am there as well. You can, you know, look me up, Carol Parker Walsh uh, on LinkedIn. And those are probably the two places that I tend to hang out the most um, where you can find out more information about me and also read some of my work and, and see some of the things that I put out there in the world. Yes, and you put out some great content. So if you're listening, follow Carol with a C, Carol Parker Walsh. And um, Carol, thank you so much for sharing just great information, helping people wrap their mind around some practical steps that they can take if they're feeling stuck. So we are going to take a short break. Yeah, thank you. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back here on The Career Confidant, but we're going to say goodbye to Carol. So thank you so much, Carol, and we will be right back here on The Career Confidant. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Today we live in a truly global environment. Business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world. How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in each week for the Labenthal Report with hosts Dominic Tavella and Michael Hartzman. 
The Labenthal Report keeps you in tune with market conditions, investment opportunities, and outlooks based on the stories and headlines to keep you in touch with your financial success. Are you picking the right financial path? Find out by listening to The Labenthal Report live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And we are talking with Carol Parker Walsh today about how you can get unstuck in your career and we were talking about kind of that uncovering what's going on, what what isn't working right now, what do you need more of, and then really understanding what value you bring to everything that you do. She talked about in, in terms of that confidence. A lot of times we talk in terms of your personal brand, and personal branding is often misunderstood as a sales or selling yourself, and it really isn't. That is, you know, some of the communication parts of personal branding, but it's a much deeper process where we really get a hold of what is it that I bring to everything that I do? How do I add value? And how does who I am and how I do things add value to my target audience? And when we have that under our belt, we can really have more confidence in communicating who we are. And I was looking at, so we referenced briefly at the beginning of the show, this article the Harvard Business Review did on how you can't cure your employees' existential crisis. And I was just talking about this with a, a entrepreneur earlier today about how the existential crisis that we're all in, because we've, you know, seen more death, we've got grieving, we had anticipatory grief, many of us have either lost family members, lost, you know, close loved ones, or or not so close loved ones, and, and, you know, it doesn't really matter how close they were when we lose someone, and then we had the fear of losing someone, and then just all of the transition and change and upheaval and uncertainty in our world le- leads to questioning life questioning if we're where we should be if our priorities are where they should be and people are dealing with this on a day-to-day basis the one thing that i tell people especially right now is to not jump into a career change thinking that that will fix this because there may be things going on that you are putting pressure on your career to fix that really your career can't fix or changing your career won't necessarily fix unless you address these other issues first. For instance, if you're feeling like you want more time with your family, changing jobs may give you that, but you may just jump right out of the frying pan into the fire unless you're really clear about how you're going to communicate differently, set your work life up differently, and set boundaries differently. 
because this is one of the myths that we see in the workplace is that if I'm the first one in and the last one to leave, I'll get that promotion first. And the data actually shows that the opposite is true. People who set their boundaries are seen to be more valuable. And you can see this play out in the dating world, right? Someone who's desperate, who will do anything to get your attention or your, your child's attention if you've got kids that are dating age and you're past that. Those people aren't as valuable to people that are looking for a partner, right? Wrong, I don't know, but it's just the way our nature is. And the same thing is true at work. If you are that person who is always there, it may be achieving the opposite of the goal that you think it's achieving. So as individuals and as leaders, I think there's some really good takeaways from this article in the Harvard Business Review. So the first point that it's making is talking about looking beyond salary and what can employers do to kind of give people a boost. And just as Carol was saying, it's often not money that actually motivates us. And this is one of the things that we're realizing about ourselves right now, that we would like flexibility or we would want to be able to do some things that are different, to be challenged, whatever it is that is driving us, kind of our why. As a manager, as a leader, I can try to tap into that for my team as an individual contributor or my, you know, as a person, as myself, trying to tap into that, which was what Carol was talking about. But this article makes some interesting points about unplugging. So if you are going to set some boundaries, what will that look like? How will you communicate it? I'm not going to answer emails after this time. For companies and leaders, I think this is critical to take the initiative. Yes, your employees could do this on their own, but guess what? You have systems. You could shut off email for certain hours of the day, or tell people that, hey, if you have something urgent, communicate this way, but all of your email boxes are gonna be paused from you know, 9 p.m. your local time to 5 a.m. your local time. Uh, someone I was talking to was talking about how Microsoft was you know, kind of whining that their employees needed to set better boundaries because they were getting burned out. And it's like, Microsoft, you have the power. You own it. Fix the software so that a manager could say, you know, emails are going to stop coming in at this time and they're going to start going in at that time. And if you have an emergency, this is the alternate channel that you use. And, you know, then you got to define what an emergency is. But there are ways that you can use technology because your workers feel afraid of doing this. It's going to hurt their promotion, it's going to hurt their ability to be visible, it's going to hurt their work score, whatever it might be. And if you are in a leadership position, find a way to use the technology to do this so that it doesn't become an employee, you know, that they have to take charge of it. it. That's really, in my eyes, an unfair expectation when that hasn't been the norm. Setting boundaries has been negative. If you're going to make a shift, be be clear about it and and be you know it's very clear. If this is what we're doing, then it applies to everyone and it's more consistent and easier for people to really grab onto. Second point here is to make meaning more to make work more meaningful. This is something that we can all do for ourselves. And if we're a leader, we can do it for our teams. 
find the connections between what you do and how it adds value for other people, for innovation, whatever your your jam is, you know, find out how what you do contributes. Ask your managers, ask, you know, ask around, go to the meetings that help you see what's going on in a bigger picture. Because when we can connect our little part in the cog to the bigger picture, we're going to be more engaged in what we do. And as a leader, you can help your people do this by making, you know, connect those dots for them. Every time you're giving feedback to say the impact of what that person did to, you know, ideally the triple bottom line, you know, how did it help the company? How did it help their customers? And how did it help some bigger social cause that your work might serve? When you do that, it makes it really easy for people to extract the meaning from their work. And they, and again, they don't have to do it all for themselves. Gallup talks about how people, when they agree with the mission of what they're doing, it makes their job feel more important. And you may not feel like the work you do is mission driven, but you can search for those relationships within your work. How does what you do impact people inside your company? How do you make someone else's job easier inside or outside of your company? What do you do for customers? How do you help them? And then of course, you know, what bigger mission for your company might you be achieving? Most companies, even that are, you know, focused on things you might not consider to be mission driven, are doing something good in the world. And hopefully they're communicating that to you. You can go out and find it. And if you're a leader, help people connect those dots so that they see how they're contributing to that work that the company might be doing and really adding meaning to their work. So number, well, I don't know if it's number one myth, but it's one of those other myths that I see people think is that, oh, if I go into a company where you know, they're doing something, maybe it's a nonprofit or maybe it's something else, that that'll make it more meaningful to me. And that's not necessarily true because it might mean that something else about how you do what you do has to change to get that job. And those two things will cancel each other out. So if I'm going to go work at this company that does this great work, maybe I'm not going to be able to do the type of work that I want to do, use the skills I want to use, whatever it is. And it might cancel each other out. It's very possible I could get both. But it's also very possible that what you're looking for exists where you are right now. And we just have to connect the dots to see it or find an opportunity to move into a position where we can make a bigger impact. And we were talking to Hannah Morgan, job search expert, uh, last week on our weekly clubhouse room which happens right after this session um job search secrets on clubhouse under the thought leadership branding group and she was talking about how it's much easier to move up within an organization keep the job you have and craft it than job search job search is hard making a career transition is hard doesn't mean you can't do it but i'd highly recommend that you look for opportunities within your current organization first to get what you're looking for First, because it's going to get you clarity on what you're looking for. And then second, because it's likely an easier transition. Not always, but likely. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll go through a few more of these points on how you, for yourself or for your team, could help them through the existential crisis created by COVID. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. 
business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Small businesses are in trouble and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. So earlier today, we were talking with Dr. Carol Parker Walsh. And she was talking about how we can get unstuck in our career. And she works specifically with midlife professionals. But I see people facing these same challenges and these steps will be helpful to people in all stages of of their career. And when you feel like you've kind of spinning out, you've lost touch, really trying to figure out what's not working, that is the place to start. What are you not getting enough of? What do you have too much of? What's wrong? Then you can move into what do you want more of? What's missing? And then you can start moving into taking some action around that. And right before we went to this break, I was talking about not jumping too quickly. If you're feeling like you want to make a change, let's really think about what might need to change. Is it you know, the type of work that you do, the daily tasks that you're doing? Is it the place that you're working in or the types of people you're working with? Uh, you know, what is it that might need to change? And if it's that work-life balance stuff, the f- flexible work or, you know, not working so many hours, those are issues that you would do well to try to fix where you are. Because one, it's going to give you an opportunity to have those hard conversations, set some boundaries, 
figure out some processes that will help you take control. And when you do that, even if it doesn't work out where you are, now you're set up for better conversations when you are interviewing, well, after you've got an, an offer or you're kind of in the second stage of interviewing, when you're interviewing and moving into that new role, you'll need to have the skills to have that conversation because the the work-life balance issues are not just magically going to go away before you change because you change careers or organizations. We have to learn how to have those conversations. Then we were talking about it from the, you know, kind of individual perspective as well as the manager perspective. What do we do right now when people are really struggling? You know, people are struggling in, in their work and it may have to do with work. It may not really have to do with work, but it doesn't matter because if people are unhappy at work, they're not doing a good job. They're not delivering. They're not producing. They're not happy when they're dealing with their customers, internal or external. It just doesn't work. Uh, And there was some Gallup data years and years ago that showed, you know, that when people were unhappy at work, their customer service scores were just dismal. It does impact it. And as a leader, um, it can be, you know, easier to think, well, I'm not here to make them happy. But yeah, kind of you are, because if they're not happy, they're not going to do what you need them to do. Um, Lessons learned hard from parenting a three-year-old. It doesn't mean we have to give them everything we want, but it does mean we've got to take the time to really figure out what's going on, what's missing, what's making them unhappy. And thankfully, most of these adults will be able to communicate that better than my four-year-old. But when we're really under stress, sometimes we might not be able to. And as a leader, we have to give that space and time as an individual. We have to, you know, put ourselves in our best adult state and be able to have those conversations with our leaders because that's the only way that we can get what we need is asking for what we need. First step of asking, our first step of getting help is asking for help. So the third thing that this Harvard Business Review went through is fostering strong work relationships. Oh my goodness, this is a challenge right now, right? We're all remote or some of us are remote and some of us have come back to the office. And how can you, as an individual, take some onus on yourself and start to build or rebuild these working relationships? You know, Zoom drinks, lame, but we got to do something. You know, find some good ideas, see what other people have done. Uh, One of our group... One of our gurus, our guests a few weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, um, Fawn Germer was talking about how she'd set up these mastermind kind of groups for herself, calling people that she knew in, in her peer group and setting up a call with 10 people and, you know, having some kind of structure or questions, but just really setting up those opportunities to connect and Go to the things that are for your work, even if they're virtual, because it will give you those opportunities to reconnect with people, even virtually. Use that chat, you know, the internal chat system, wherever, whatever system you're using. Be careful. You know, I don't know how much can be seen in in what types of systems, but I never put anything in a chat on a call that was, you know, something I didn't want my boss to see. But you can reconnect, you know, hey, Sue, it's great to see you. And I'm typing to Sue directly in the chat and let's set up a time to chat because it's going to take more effort, especially if you are working virtually. But even if you're working in the office, put in that effort to see people, to connect with them, to really spend the time because we are more happy 
right? Lots and lots of data shows that we are happier when we are connected, when we have community. And that's probably the number one thing that COVID took from us is this ease of building community. I will argue that it didn't take away our ability to build community. It just took away the easiness of it, that let's sit and have coffee, let's sit and have lunch. Now you got to work at it a little bit more. You have to find a place where you're both comfortable, whether that's outside or not in the 101 degree heat here in Salt Lake. What is that going to look like and how can you make that happen? Or is it virtual? And there have been groups that have been operating virtually for years before COVID that have community, that build that community. And what I've seen is that those virtual groups have learned how to do that better, right? We're doing more breakouts in our Career Thought Leaders Associate calls so that people get the time to connect in smaller groups. And when you see somebody doing something that you like virtually, share that with your leadership, do it in your team, even if you're not quite sure how it will work. Give people those opportunities to build community because that's where humans live. Even the most introverted of us, we need community and build that for yourself. Find ways to build it for your team because that's going to impact people's happiness at work quickly. It has nothing to do with what they do or what career they're in. It just helps them build those connections and maybe finding people that can help them get where they want to go in their career, even if it's not necessarily a career change. So next week, we're going to be talking with Dr. Dawn Graham. She wrote the book called Switchers. So I guess we'll be kind of continuing our career switch theme. I love how practical her take is. She was another one of our guests on our Clubhouse series, The Job Search Secrets. And I'm looking forward to hearing from her. If you have other suggestions of guests you'd like to hear or topics that you'd like us to cover, we have a panel of experts at Career Thought Leaders and Resume Writing Academy at your disposal for answering your questions and getting you the information you need to take control of your career. You can always reach out to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at careerthoughtleaders.com. And we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.